Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, China has officially opened its embassy in Honduras following the establishment of diplomatic relations in March. Iran reopens its embassy in Saudi Arabia, and Ukraine has refuted Russian claims that a counteroffensive is underway in Bakhmut. We begin in Asia. Honduran President Xiomara Castro has announced a visit to China upon the invitation of Chinese President Xi Jinping. Castro tweeted that the visit will focus on bilateral ties and exchanges in politics, technology, trade, and culture. Meantime, China has officially opened its embassy in Honduras following the establishment of diplomatic relations in March. It came after Honduras cut ties with the Taiwan region. Shash Dafer Yubo at the Chinese embassy says he looks forward to more extensive bilateral exchanges. It's an arduous task with great responsibility to establish an embassy in a country that China had no diplomatic relations with before. It is also an honorable mission. Our significant political mission is to lay the groundwork for China-Honduras relations. We have overcome the obstacles and engaged extensively with the Honduran government and other relevant parties. China's aim is to build consensus and friendship with Honduras. We have made efforts to promote bilateral exchanges and a practical cooperation in economy, trade, and culture. Honduran Foreign Minister Eduardo Reina attended the ceremony to open the Chinese embassy in the capital. Reina held the inauguration as a significant step in advancing relations between the two sides. Well, I think it's a, a very important step after establishing diplomatic relations with China, and, and mainly after recognizing the One China policy. I think the the possibility of the President Castro maybe visit China is uh, the larger step historically in foreign relations in Honduras, and, and it's very important for us to, to deepen this relation with this high-level visit to China. Other guests at the opening ceremony included members of the Honduran government and Congress, as well as representatives of Chinese and Chinese-founded institutions in the Central American country. Over to the Middle East, Iran is set to reopen its embassy in Saudi Arabia on Tuesday. Tensions have been high between the two countries for seven years. The reopening of the embassy seals a China-brokered deal where Tehran and Riyadh agreed to normalize ties. Iranians are hoping it will bring business opportunities and economic benefits. Rasting Ratva reports from Tehran. Iran's Foreign Minister Amir Abdullahian has announced that Iran has taken the necessary preparations for the official opening of its political and consular representations in Saudi Arabia. Ali Reza Inayati has been introduced as Iran's ambassador to Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, previously serving as Iran's ambassador to Kuwait. He is now expected to assume the responsibility of the Islamic Republic of Iran's embassy in Riyadh following the resumption of diplomatic relations between Iran and Saudi Arabia. The improvement in ties is great news for many businessmen, including Mohammad Babai, a nut exporter, to the countries around the Persian Gulf. 
Reconciliation between Iran and Saudi Arabia can lead to the flourishing of trade and economic cooperation between the two countries. Increased trade, joint investment, industrial and commercial development, as well as cooperation in the oil and gas sectors, will be beneficial for both countries. Continued official visits between the two countries contribute to diplomatic understandings and have the potential to resolve some regional disputes and conflicts, facilitating security cooperation and information exchange between Iran and Saudi Arabia can lead to reduction in regional security threats and enhanced regional security. In Iran's foreign policy, relations with neighboring countries are a priority, despite challenges due to the volume of differences between Tehran and Riyadh after seven years of estrangement, the path of diplomacy and negotiations continues. Murad Yousafi, who is involved in the real estate market in Tehran, hopes that this reclamation will be profitable for his country. In the past, when there were good relations between the two countries, Iran did not achieve significant and tangible economic progress. But this time, we hope that the realization of economic projects will be a priority for the Saudi government. In recent years, political problems and disputes between the two countries led to the suspensions of Iranian pilgrims presence in the Hajj pilgrimage. No, it has become possible again for Iranian pilgrims to travel to Saudi Arabia. The Hajj pilgrimage is one of the religious events in the Islamic world that is of great importance to Iranians. With the visit of the head of the Hajj and pilgrimage organization to Saudi Arabia, upon the invitation of the Saudi minister of Hajj and Umrah, Agreements have been made to expedite the affairs to Iranian pilgrims. Rogaye Tahiri is a pilgrim who intends to travel to Saudi Arabia. Pilgrims were the victims of the political disputes between the two countries and were deprived of the chance to be present in Mecca. It is expected that now, as a sign of renewed friendship between the two nations, we will witness better hospitality towards Iranian pilgrims, and the experience of Iranians' presence on the soil of Saudi Arabia will improve. The agreement between Iran and Saudi Arabia in March in China to resume diplomatic relations was followed by an official meeting of the foreign ministers of the two countries in Beijing. That was Rustin Radfa reporting from Iran. In North America, California is investigating whether Florida's governor is involved in the arrival of 16 migrants in Sacramento on a private jet. They were left on the doorstep of a church without any prior notice. Attorney General Rob Bonta said they're trying to determine whether there is criminal or civil liability for those who arranged the flight. Tony Waterman has more. 
According to officials, these Venezuelan and Colombian migrants were taken from El Paso, Texas to New Mexico, then flown by private jet to Sacramento, where they were left in front of a Roman Catholic church on Friday night with not much more than the clothes on their backs. Community organizers have told local media that the migrants were approached outside of a detention center in El Paso and promised help in securing jobs. But it appears that some of them, at least, had no idea what they were agreeing to. One organizer telling AP that the migrants were lied to and intentionally deceived. Attorney General Bonta has suggested that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis may be behind the trip, saying that the migrants were carrying documents that appeared to have been issued by the state of Florida. It's very strange. At best, it's potentially illegal. It could violate criminal laws. It could violate civil laws. So we're continuing our investigation. We'll get to the bottom of that. We want accountability. Uh, we want the end to this morally bankrupt practice uh, that uh, hurts people, treats them as pawns. DeSantis is now running for the White House, and he's been campaigning on tougher immigration policies, promising to reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy and to complete the border wall. As for these migrants caught in the crosshairs of American politics, they are receiving support in California. Governor Newsom says they will be treated with respect and dignity and receive help in getting to their intended destination. That was Tony Waterman reporting. Turning to Europe, Ukraine has refuted Russian claims that a counteroffensive is underway in Bakhmut. Both sides say Russian troops are losing ground. Stuart Smith reports. The Russian Defense Ministry says the large-scale offensive began on Sunday on five fronts in southern Donetsk, selected for their perceived vulnerability. But ultimately, it claims Ukraine was unsuccessful. Moscow says it killed 300 personnel where the counteroffensive took place and over 400 elsewhere. Ukraine refused to acknowledge if this was part of its long-awaited counteroffensive, but warned about trusting Moscow's reports. In the Russian region of Belgorod, local officials are calling on people to continue evacuating and join the more than 4,000 already in temporary housing as Ukraine-based anti-Kremlin fighters continue to attempt attacks on Russian territory. While Kiev denies its forces are involved in any attacks outside the country, Belgium is asking Ukraine to clarify how weapons it gave to the armed forces appeared in use by the Free Russia Legion and Russian Volunteer Corps, which takes credit for assaults against Belgorod. That was Stuart Smith reporting from Moscow. In Africa, fighting between Sudan's army and the paramilitary RSF has intensified after a ceasefire deal expired. Relentless fighting in and around Khartoum has forced many students to flee to safer parts of the country to continue their studies. Dedicated teachers are trying to make sure the unrest doesn't affect the students too much. Naba Mohidin has more. The disruptive reality of the raging conflict in the Sudanese capital. Students are hundreds of kilometers from home, in a camp for the displaced, trying to prepare for their upcoming exams. The teachers in Al Jazeera state gather books, close unorganized classes, so that the youngsters won't miss this important milestone in their education. We've started with social and psychological support, then we launched campaigns for logistic support. The intermediate students are now able to continue the academic year despite the accumulating challenges we're facing in the camps. 
it's important to minimize the impact of the conflict for the students at least. We've organized the classes and the state shall allow them to sit in the local centers for the exams. It's a priority for teachers to support students. But the teachers say the students are hardly coping with their new classes. As well as the classes for exam preparation, the teachers are holding support sessions for the students so they can cope with the new situation and the environment. Families of the students are praising the teachers for this support. This is a great initiative. Our kids have been through a very difficult situation and it's hard for them to understand this reality. It's a good chance for them to proceed with their education as well as mentally accept this situation. The fighting in Khartoum is impacting millions of people every day. Only a comprehensive resolution of this crisis can put Sudan back on the right track and allow these students to return to the schools they fled. That was Naba Mohidin reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. Honduran President Xiomara Castro has announced a visit to China upon the invitation of Chinese President Xi Jinping. Iran is reopening its embassy in Saudi Arabia. And Ukraine has refuted Russian claims that a counteroffensive is underway in Bakhmut. That concludes today's top story, which brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.